0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: As you approach your birth, you may be considering delayed cord clamping. What are the pros and cons for you and your baby? I'm Ann Cooper, a certified nurse midwife, and today we're learning all about delayed cord clamping. This is Preggy Pals. Um, is that a plus sign?
3: Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your online, on the go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Stephanie Glover. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get special episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. See our website for more information. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app, available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows Marketplace. Samantha, our producer, is now going to give us some
2: information about our virtual panelist program. <laughs> Thanks, Stephanie. So if you don't live in San Diego, but you'd like to be part of the discussion here on Preggy Pals, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, hashtag Preggie Pals. We'll post questions before our show starts, and we'd like for you to comment so we can incorporate your thoughts into our episode. For more information, head to our website, www.PreggyPals.com.
3: Great. So we're going to go ahead and uh, introduce ourselves around the room here. My name is Stephanie Glover. I'm 32 years old. I'm the new host of Preggy Pals, and I'm also a stay-at-home mom to two little girls. Um, Gretchen is almost three, and Lydia is 10 months old. I had two hospital births, the first being a cesarean and the second a VBAC.
4: I'm Annie. I'm the former host of Preggy Pals, but uh, I'm just hanging around until I move <laughs> halfway across the world. Uh, I am a labor doula. I'm 36 years old, and I have three little girls, a nine-year-old, a two-year-old, and an eight-month-old. Uh, the first was a hospital birth. The second was a home birth, and a, that was a transfer into the hospital, and then the third was a home birth. I'm Samantha. I
2: am the producer here at Preggy Pals. I am 22 years old. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom to my 20-month-old Olivia. Um, She was an unplanned cesarean, and I'm hoping for a VBAC sometime in the future.
4: Hi, Preggy Pals, we have a question for one of our experts. Nancy in La Jolla, California writes, is acupuncture effective for bringing on labor? My OB-GYN is going to induce me if I get to 41 weeks, and I would like to avoid that if at all possible.
6: Hi, this is Jamie Boyd from Whole Family Acupuncture in San Diego, California. I specialize in women's health, um, Women's and Men's Reproductive Health, Pregnancy, and Pediatric Acupuncture, and I'm responding to Nancy in La Jolla, also here in Southern California, asking if uh, acupuncture is effective for bringing on labor, especially wanting to avoid adduction at 41 weeks with her OBGYN. You know, it's a kind of a loaded question, um, depending on the state you're in, whether or not acupuncturists can say that they treat that. We have an encouraging labor protocol that we can use, and depending on the acupuncturist malpractice uh, insurance, um, they may or may not be able to state that they do that, depending on the state. However, getting acupuncture throughout pregnancy, a lot of times, limits the chances or likelihood that induction will be necessary because the acupuncture will help organize and support the hormones in a woman's body to allow the oxytocin to start flowing and hopefully flow high enough in soon enough time that induction won't be necessary. The encouragement labor protocol is usually done daily um, for three for three treatments or every other day. And the protocol is to encourage oxytocin to be released in high amounts to allow your body to be less stressed out, which actually stressors are the main reason why women don't go into labor from our point of view is that our cortisol and adrenaline spike so high that our oxytocin cannot fully fully flower and allow us to go completely into labor. And that's what pitocin is, is just liquid oxytocin. So if we can keep a mom de-stressed and relaxed during those last weeks, they have a greater likelihood of going into labor naturally. And, you know, in order to avoid induction at 41 weeks, acupuncturists usually don't start any kind of protocol to have baby come before 40 weeks, pretty much across the board, unless it was something really specific going on. Otherwise, we always want to wait until the body's ready and the baby's ready before we start tinkering in any way. Um, So, And you want to have an acupuncturist who knows specifically about how to treat women in pregnancy and treating women who are going into labor. So you really want to ask a lot of questions when calling for that sort of treatment. But it can help facilitate labor and hopefully avoid induction, which I know a lot of people really want to do. All right. Thank you.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the skylight frame. Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com easy.
3: So today, we're going to be talking about delayed cord clamping. Joining us here in our studio is certified nurse midwife, Ann Cooper. Anne received her RN and Master's of Science in Nursing with, spe- with a specialization in midwifery from Yale University. She currently practices with the UCSD Nurse Midwifery Service. Welcome to Preggie Pals, Anne. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So to begin with, uh, why is umbilical cord clamp? <laughs> to begin with, why is the umbilical cord typically clamped after delivery? And what is the process?
1: Well, the process of clamping the cord um, is really the process of separating mom from the and baby um, from each other, and separating baby from the placenta. The process usually is putting um, two clamps on the umbilical cord, um, one closer to the baby, one closer to the placenta, and having somebody, usually dad, um, cut the cut the umbilical cord.
3: Is delayed cord clamping new, or why are we hearing
1: so much about it these days? Delayed cord clamping is not new. It probably, um, immediate cord clamping is new in the history of um, birth. Uh, Delayed cord clamping is coming about because traditional medicine has usually been uh, clamping the cord immediately following delivery of baby. Um, I think more people are talking about it recently because there have been a series of studies looking at um, risks and benefits to delayed cord clamping. Okay,
3: great. And what um, typically happens during delayed cord clamping?
1: So typically after um, baby is delivered and born, uh, depending on the practice of the provider, babies Uh, put up on mom's chest or held by by the provider Um, and in delayed cord clamping it is um, not common you don't put the clamps on the cord until uh, usually by definition after a minute Um, most of the studies look at delayed cord clamping is considered between one and three minutes Um, where I practice and how I practice for me delayed cord clamping is not clamping the cord until the cord has done pulsing. How long do you see that that normally takes? It's different for every mom. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's really quick and it might only be a minute that the cord pulses. Sometimes you've got a Big fat juicy cord that seems to pulse and pulse and pulse for five minutes. Yeah. Um, oh, see, and I thought
4: you were going to say like thirty. So you know, I, have,
1: I've, I have not had a thirty-minute <laughs> cord that has um, pulse for thirty minutes. But it's it's really interesting. You can actually see it pulsing, um, and then and also feel the cord pulsing.
3: Oh, okay. And Annie, did you delay cord clamp with your girls?
4: Um, mm-hmm. you know, the second one was so chaotic. Like, I, I had her 20 minutes after I showed up in the hospital. It was a little bit different. There was meconium. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to check her out uh, on the infant warmer table. So they cut and clamped it immediately. Right. So afterwards, it just wasn't wasn't the place to say, excuse me, I want delayed cord <laughs> clamping. Uh, yeah, but for the third one, I did. The biggest concern was just having my baby with me. Okay, I had a vaginal birth. It was, it was normal, you know, natural thing. Um, and now the baby's going to stay with me and stay on my chest. You know, and if you need to do anything, you can do it with the baby on my chest. Mm-hmm. So I feel that for me, that's the advantage of why I wanted delayed cord clamping. And, and with my second baby, it was only in hindsight. So right. again, after the third one, you know, it was almost a little bit long on the other side. It's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm I'm done with this. You know, the, the cord was white by then. <laughs> there was no blood going through it for the past 45 minutes. So, yeah. yeah. But that is pretty neat. And, you know, you probably see that... Um, and as far as you know how it starts out really thick with almost purplish yeah and then like it goes down to like it's completely white there's no blood in it at all and it's so so thin
1: it uh, changes dramatically yeah in,
3: in a short amount of time
1: mm-hmm.
3: and you mentioned that there are benefits to delaying the, the cord clamping what are some of those benefits
1: so typically after the baby's born the cord continues the pulse and one of the benefits um, to baby is that the baby gets what's left over in the cord so if you compl- if you immediately Put the clamps on the baby, uh, on the cord, um, it kind of stops, it stops the blood flow to the baby. So um, it actually prevents them from giving, getting all the red blood cells and all the nutrients, all the stem cells that are left in the cord. So um, typically a baby can get um, a lot more blood volume in the, in the three minutes that you may wait or even longer to
4: delay the, the cord clamping. My midwife calls it the uh, baby's first cord blood infusion. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff in there.
3: Are there benefits
1: to mom? I think one of the benefits that the studies miss talking about is really the benefit of being able to hold your baby and not having your baby taken from you, taken to the warmer, starting measurements, starting weights. And that's that's really not something that the studies address, but I think that is a um, very significant benefit to new families. And I think that's important when you're considering what hospital you or where you're having your baby, because um, a lot of places, their instinct is take the baby right away and start the maybe the newborn medications. If your baby's connected to you, connected to the placenta, your baby's not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And
3: and then it helps with um uh, the skin to skin being uh, th- having the temperature regulated. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Great. And can I ask you a question? So, does this also or does it would it still apply in the case of like a cesarean birth? I had an unplanned cesarean and in my birth plan, as far as a, if a vaginal birth was going to happen, I did include delayed cord clamping. But things happened and that's not the way that it was meant to be. Um, but I'm also wondering, I didn't include in my cesarean birth plan to still do delayed cord camping. Is that still a possibility or not so much? So it's a little
1: trickier with a cesarean section because you have a large incision on your uterus. The risk of bleeding to mom is much greater. Right. I assume and they don't want
2: you open any longer than you really need to be. So
1: de- it's going to be dependent on the situation and how, how, the, how your bleeding is going. Um, most of the time, if things are going okay and you're not bleeding too much, they can delay it up to like 30 seconds, so you're not going to get the right. total pulsation. Another option that you could consider asking for is something called cord milking. Which is where they take the cord and using their hands or an instrument, they milk they milk the cord towards the baby. So, in fact, it's like like delayed cord clamping in that you're emptying the cord into the baby, and that so like an s- expedited expedited <laughs> delayed cord clamping exactly. <laughs> and um and and they are looking at those studies, especially in preterm infants too. Okay, cool. Thank
2: you.
3: Great. Um. So you know we've touched on some of the benefits, but are there any risks
1: to the baby? So um, historically, the risks that have been used to kind of advocate for immediate clamping would be um, risks to uh, mom um, having too much bleeding, waiting for the placenta to come. The idea of baby comes out, got to get the placenta out right away, clamp the cord, pull on the placenta, deliver the placenta so that you don't have maternal hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. Um, The studies have not supported that um, delayed cord clamping causes any increase maternal hemorrhage. Um, another uh, risk that is discussed when talking about delayed cord clamping is to the baby and that is that the increase of the red blood cells um, when you do delayed cord clamping ha- has been shown to increase neonatal jaundice and sometimes um, and those babies do have an increased r- risk of needing phototherapy. Yep. I I had delayed cord clamping and phototherapy for my baby
4: <laughs> Well I have a question about that because one of the things I've heard with uh, a few care practitioners is they, they say something with gravity and they want to hold the baby down below the level of the placenta. Have you heard anything about that Anne? Yeah so um, they have had a study that showed you know the thought
1: was that you have to if you put baby up on mom's chest and the baby's higher there's a potential risk that the blood flow is going to go back Into to the placenta, the placenta yeah. and the baby is going to lose blood volume that way. The research doesn't support that, and they've looked at it in delayed clamping, um, that the pulsation from the placenta is so strong that um, gravity is not a factor. So, so neg- it's negated. Y- yeah. yeah. I am I mean, I think that most of the time when you accept your baby on your chest, you are lying back and you're not that much higher than your placenta. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's a reason not to do delayed cord clamping. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and when you have delayed cord clamping, can
3: your partner still cut the cord? Absolutely. Does it change any um, part of the cord cutting process? Not at at all. all. Okay. Well, when we come back, we'll discuss delayed cord clamping with different birthing options. Welcome back. Today, we're discussing delayed cord clamping. Ann Cooper is our expert. So we were talking about um, benefits and risks um, to mom and baby regarding delayed cord clamping, but we'd love to learn more about the different birthing options and if delayed cord clamping is possible. We already talked about cesarean delivery.
1: But what about a water birth? And what, um, is that possible to delay your cord clamping? A water birth is the perfect venue for <laughs> delayed cord clamping. Um, when you're in the water, you know, you have your baby on your chest, and that's what you're concentrating on. You're focused on your baby. Um, and so often, um, depending on, you know, you and your provider, um, the placenta is not delivered till after you get out of the tub, or the cord is not even cut sometimes till after the placenta is delivered. So um, yes, absolutely. Water birth and delayed cord clamping go hand in hand. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome.
3: And if you're saving your placenta, are there any um, effects on cord clamping
1: then? I do not know of any effects (laughs) on saving the placenta and delaying cord clamping. Um, And
3: then can a premature baby have delayed cord clamping? I think you touched on this a little
4: bit, but... Well, like with cord milking. Cause that, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, the American Academy of Obstetricians and Gynecologists actually has a very strong statement that it supports delayed cord clamping in premature infants. Um, their stance on that is even stronger than term infants. And that's because all of the evidence really supports delayed cord clamping for um, preterm infants um, in a reduction of the intraventricular hemorrhage and um, decrease in risk of bleeding in the baby's brain um, to preterm infants. And how
3: about you, Anne? I mean, you, you're a mother of three. What was your experience with uh, delayed cord clamping? Did you do it?
1: I did delayed cord clamping with all three none of my three needed phototherapy (laughs) thankfully Mm -hmm. um i had my first at home um and it was 10 years ago now but i think the cord stayed uh connected to her for quite some time (laughs) um and the second was born in the water um and we did delayed cord clamping and last one was at ucsd and did delayed cord clamping with all of them and i found it just um, really rewarding to have my baby with me um, on my chest, even start um, breastfeeding before my placenta was out, before the, the cord was done pulsing. So for me, that was a big benefit of delaying the cord clamping. And that's what I hear a lot from patients too, is that they, a lot of my patients, they want the cord to be completely done pulsing before it's cut. Some of them want their placenta to be delivered prior to cutting the cord and as long as you know bleeding is fine I think that that's fine and those are things that that can happen um, and it's something that you should talk to your provider about ahead of time if you want if you want that. Yeah and, and I thought
3: too that just the conversation about delayed
1: cord clamping really
3: opened up um, kind of a lot of a lot of cool things about the um the cord and the placenta cuz with my C-section I didn't even get to see my placenta. And so I just remember it was just a different approach. We we talked about it. We let it finish pulsing and then I got to to see it afterwards and it was a pretty cool thing. <laughs> well, and I have actually a funny story about that when I delivered my first via cesarean, um my my OB did mentioned that she would milk the cord so we did get the you know expedited uh, benefits of that yeah but um everyone in the operating room was commenting that it was the largest cord they'd ever seen the largest or longest oh really yeah like uh, yeah very thick cord oh and um how big was your baby nine five okay so she was big as was her cord. Yeah. And uh, my husband does not do blood. So he <laughs> was like, no, thanks. I want nothing to do with cutting this cord. Ah. And the nurses were like, are you sure? You'll regret it. And um, and so he did. And it took him several attempts to cut it and oh, sort no. of traumatized him. <laughs> and so for the second, I was like, really, you don't, you don't have to do this. And then he thought he needed to be fair to our second daughter. And he couldn't cut one and not the other. <laughs> but the difference was is that we had the delayed cord clamping the second time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't messy. <laughs> we uh,
4: had, you
3: know, um gone, let it pulse completely, you know, empty, if you will. And so when it was cut, it it didn't dump.
4: Now Stephanie, did you say that your second that you didn't need the phototherapy lights? Or you did? I did. So uh. my
3: first um was not uh didn't have any, you know, increased bilirubin levels. Mm-hmm. My second did and it's funny because i was jaundiced as a baby Mm -hmm. so i just sort of wasn't surprised i was like oh i I know that word i know what it means and we'll just deal with this and it wasn't really until after my birth and getting home that um i think the pediatrician had mentioned that there's sometimes the um association between delayed cord clamping and Hmm. and jaundice but to me i just thought no i had it so
1: maybe that's why
3: (laughs) um so yeah i'm not i'm not sure really how much had to do with with and
1: it could be because you had it, and right. that was why. It's, right. yeah. It's so, hard to know.
3: Um, But my birth was just so lovely that it, it wouldn't have really mattered about <laughs> any of the effects of afterwards because I had my sort of dream birth the second time around. So. Yeah, yeah. Are there any times that delayed cord clamping is inappropriate?
1: Unfortunately, yes. Sometimes uh, there seems to be a delay in our the neonatal resuscitation and the way that we resuscitate our babies after they're born. Most of the time that's not done on mom. It's overdone on a warmer. So, um, and that's where they're most comfortable right now doing neonatal resuscitation. So usually when babies come out and are, um, maybe depressed and not vigorous, not breathing on their own, uh, there is, a desire to have them over on the warmer sooner and so by means of c- clamping and cutting the cord. Another time would be if you had meconium stained fluid. If uh, there's meconium in your fluid and the baby comes out and is not vigorous, uh, the recommendation is to suction the baby's nose and mouth before the baby takes a deep breath to prevent the risk of uh, meconium aspiration. So in both of those cases, I think that uh, delayed cord clamping beyond the initial period of you know putting the clamps on it would be um, not advised.
4: Okay. What do you mean by vigorous? Because uh, and I had a question about that. I mentioned earlier that my second uh, child and my, and my first child actually there was meconium in the waters with both of them, but they came out screaming. So that, that's that is vigorous. That is vigorous. <laughs> so in a, you know so, so really it would have been fine. In fact, preferable to, would would they still do the, the bulb suction then no. with the baby or no? Oh, okay. So the
1: recommendation for um, suctioning is if you have a baby who comes out, who is limp, mm. not breathing, um, not trying to make a cry, hasn't gasped yet mm-hmm. um, to take them to the warmer. And before you stimulate them, to look it into their throat and try to suction any of the meconium fluid, mm-hmm. um, and, and so that usually, if a baby comes out vigorous and screaming, you're supposed to just absorb observe them.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Are there any common objections to
3: delayed cord clamping, and any studies that support the objections?
1: So, um, the the reason that the the There is mixed evidence on delayed cord clamping. As much as we want to do delayed cord clamping, the evidence it does support that um, infants who have delayed cord clamping have a lower risk of anemia in the first year of life and have um, increased hemoglobin um, in the first few months of life. But um, it does also. Suggest that they also have an increased risk of jaundice in phototherapy um, in the first days um, after delayed clamping.
3: And what would you say to parents who are trying to make the decision if um, delayed cord clamping
1: is right for them? How would they make that decision? I'd say that um, in talking to where they're delivering and what their provider is comfortable with and what their own desires are for where they want their baby to be after their baby is delivered, um, I think that women who potentially have an increased risk of um, maybe babies with jaundice, maybe if you've had a history of having a baby that has needed phototherapy before or um, women with diabetes some habit time has an increased risk of babies that need phototherapy those those are situations that you may want to consider maybe not the full delay or not delaying the clamping okay and talking to your provider to see if you have any risk factors that they think that it's not appropriate to do delayed clamping
3: and if you just delay for say the minute versus a full five then the risks of you know, some of
1: those risks go down um, proportionally, well, they, haven't, or? they haven't done any studies, oh, okay. <laughs> i looked at those risks, but if okay. you're thinking about, you know, most of the volume of the cord, um, about 80% of the volume of the cord will be um, given to the baby in the first minute. Oh, okay. So, actually, after a minute, there's not a whole lot extra that goes in um, based on, like, the values that they've looked at in studies. Thank you so much, Anne uh, Cooper, for joining us today. For more
3: information about Certified Nurse Midwife Anne Cooper and the UCSD Midwife Practice, as well as information about any of our panelists, visit our episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of the Preggie Pals Club. After the show, Anne Cooper is discussing delayed cord clamping and cord blood banking. To join our club, visit our website, preggypals.com.
5: Hi, I'm Jennifer Durbin, the author of Pregnancy Tips for the Clueless Chick and the Mother of Two Wonderful Little Boys. I've got some great tips for you for planning your maternity leave. Believe it or not, it's never too early to start planning your maternity leave. And if you plan to go back to work, you'll want to start thinking about daycare sooner rather than later. In some cities, you may need to register your little one for daycare when you're only 12 weeks pregnant, so plan ahead. Before you let your boss know that you're expecting, it's a good idea to have your maternity leave plans all worked out. So start reading your company's leave policies, including short-term disability, and look into FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act. Your HR department or a trusted coworker who's taken maternity leave are other fabulous resources. When you talk to your boss, he or she will likely want to know when you're due, how long you plan to be on maternity leave, and if you'll be returning to your current work schedule. So make sure you and your partner have worked through all of these details beforehand. But keep in mind, once you hold that little bundle of joy in your arms, all of your carefully laid plans may be thrown right out the window. If you do decide to go back to work, don't underestimate how challenging your transition back may be. Not only will you be readjusting to work, you'll also be adjusting to your baby's new childcare routine. You should also keep in mind that your first week back at the office will be very draining, so it's a good idea to plan to take Friday off to recoup. The worst thing you can do is run yourself ragged trying to do everything, so plan for that extra day of vacation. You can also save yourself a bit of transition stress by having the little one start daycare the week before you go back to work. That way you have plenty of time to ease into your new normal. But most importantly, Take into consideration the financial implications of your plan so that you're fully prepared for what lies ahead. For more great tips, visit cluelesschick.com.
3: So this wraps up the show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, Twin Talks for parents of multiples, and our show The Boob Group for moms who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way.
4: and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
0: New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com.
4: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.